Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. G'day, music director for Homegrown, Chris Holland, taking care of this one. Hope you're well. Uh, thanks very much for following us on the Listener app. Make sure you set it to your favourites. You'll never miss an update from this show. We have Oz Rock Royalty joining us today. I'm talking about Kevin Borich. First of all, founding member of the Lardy Dars. Also, the Party Boys. Of course, then he ventured out and had the Kevin Borich Express. There was a time he did for Triple M the Dr. Dan theme song. Absolutely classic. How good is that? And of course, brand new stuff. Listen to this. A new album, Duets. This one features Tim Rogers. Man, he's been taking over the world for decades. Uh, initially a Kiwi, but we won't hold that against him. The mighty, unstoppable Kevin Borich. Wow, what a build-up. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. That was so great. They're all about the whole of the world and we're going to take the world over and all that stuff. That was fantastic. I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. All right, so brand new album, Duets, out July 14. And that's literally... What it is, uh, 12 duets with some true icons, uh, Susie DeMarkey, Ian Moss, uh, Tim Rogers, Ella Hooper, Joe Walsh, the list goes on. Just congratulations. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? I, I'm just so lucky that, um, that it all happened. You know, I've had, had a great producer, Nick O'Donnell, and he uh, helped me get the people together. A lot of them I knew that I could ring, but, um, you know, it's just a, an amazing thing. It's taken over a couple of years when we had the pandemic. And it was like, you know, what else you do? <laughs> it's amazing that I've got a studio so we can, we can work. And, um, of course, with the internet, we could get Joe Walsh. Um, we could send the backing tracks over to him. And he, last time I saw him um, at the Eagles concert after we went to, in his dressing room, and that in between, goes, as we're going out, he's going, hey, man, you want to, you know, we want to do anything, you just send it to me. So I did. And... Um, he came back with that song. I did. I wrote the song with the fires. We sent the backing track over to his um, engineer, and um, he put his vocals and some guitar on too. Yeah, how cool is that? Just so, easy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a small well now. Hey, right there. You can you can access it very quick. So yeah, was it was it your wish list? Was it a mix of the producers as well? And um, yeah, how did these twelve get chosen? Um, I had um, some. Uh, like uh, keep it to myself was a little guitar thing dad had had it was a rocky sort of thing and um, and, I, and I knew Tim had been influenced by me even the Lady Does song uh, I saw it in Rolling Stone so I thought oh well he, he should be interested and he was and that song was, was around so I you know, finished it with the help of Nick and we, um, we we sort of you know, got in touch with him and, um, and he was very keen so I'm so lucky that all these people, um, you know, joined us. Ella Hooper, I was doing a um, Rock Wiz uh, tour over in WA before we even started the, the tour, but I, the idea, um, sorry, the, the um, album, 
but you know, it was in my mind, and I saw her. And I said, asked her if she would be in it, and she said yes. So we've got her doing um, a song called um, "I'm Together." So um, yeah, I, it's my Joe Camilleri, Ross Wilson, Angelina Fabian is a, um, a new uh, the lady that's been here, an American lady that's here, and um, got her to sing on the Swanee song, which is "The Road," because she's got another. A, Total gospel, of course. It's a gospel song. There's rock songs, there's gospel, there's rock, and there's um, blue, uh, a bit of jazz. Hey! <laughs> it does sound a little bit, particularly <laughs> that Ella Hooper song. It sounds like something maybe Randy Newman could have done for a Toy Story yes. movie. Yes! Ho- I love Randy. I love it. Let's drop the big one. Now he's talking about blowing up the world. There goes London, then Perry. No room for you. No room for me. Oh, and then he goes, Don't want to hurt Australia. They got little kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's fantastic. What a fantastic guy he is. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's just one sort of edge of the yeah of the variety that's on the album. It's not just the uh, the guitar, the Jimi Hendrix stuff, you know. Yeah, no, it's great. We've got you know we've got like look the cool jazz thing is a song I wrote about um, Amy Winehouse. I thought she was going to go off the rails because she was a guy that was you know right into all the drugs and stuff. So. And, and and she's gone, you know, and and she took all that, all the colours and left us with blue, and that's some of the lyric in the song, and that's that's the jazzy one, and now Angelina sings that one, plus doing some backing for me on the Swanee song, which is There's a Road. So um, it's amazing how the songs grew because of you know these these wonderful talented people were putting their take on it. You know, I sent them my um, idea of a, of a vocal line and stuff, but but they played with it after going through them a few times. And to watch that happen is a completely magical thing to watch. And I've got um, great respect for these people and, and their talents. So, uh, and of course, Ross Wilson and Teddy Cool and Lady days, way back, um, we used to um, support them a lot, Daddy Cool, Lady Dars and Daddy Cool. You know, that was kind of a, uh, a show thing there for quite a while. And um, so, and Joe Camilleri also, those two guys I really wanted on the album because they are kind of my lineage in age, you know, the dinosaur thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we, I just wanted them on, and luckily I, I managed to get them. So, um, and anyway, who have I missed out? Anyone? Well, you know, Russell Morris, of course, he was um, the first guy I would call because when I was in America and Chuggy was managing me at the time, um, he said, Chuggy said, oh, look, here's a bunch of people you could call while while um, you're over there. I just went by myself to sort of see the big wide world. And um, I rang them all, and, and the only one that turned up was Russell. And he's V-Dub in L.A. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we're driving around in this big uh, yank tanks, and we're in a little V-Dub. So, so I got to know, know Russell quite quite well. And um, he, he was, yeah, sure, man. And he just looked um, the Gold Coast so we could go down there and, and set up in his lounge room because we'd already done the backing tracks and, and watch him put the um, record the, the vocal on. So it was just, just great. I, you know, every, every track's got a different story kind of as far as how we did it. And, um, and, it, was, and it was great. Like Nick would just bring the computer and um, some mics and, and preamps, of course, and um, headphones. And away you go. Tim, Tim Rogers was done at the powerhouse on stage in the, in the afternoon and there was some, not, they didn't, weren't doing a matinee, so you see, I just set it up on stage. So then we were recording his vocals, uh, you know, with, with a, a whole lot of seats, empty seats watching. <laughs> that's amazing you just did it live. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a great space to do it. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, we were so lucky that he was an RP in Brisbane. So I live in Mullaney, so that's uh, what, an hour and a half, if you're lucky. <laughs> if they've got the 80 kilometres signs up, not on, but they've got them on all the time at the moment. <laughs> it's getting wider, wider. Everything's getting wider, bigger, you yeah, know. Of course. <laughs> now, let's go back a little bit because I've been doing some reading. In the Australian Encyclopedia of Rock and Pop, this is printed, quote, Boric was now firmly entrenched as Australia's guitar hero supremo. His superb rendition of Jimi Hendrix's workout on Dylan's All Along the Watchtower became a signature, and the band was never allowed to finish a gig until delivering it. Now, I've got multiple questions off the back of this. Uh, I've okay. only got a few questions. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. We know how tough and fearsome the Oz pub rock scene was, but if there's that relationship with the audience where they would not permit you to leave until you've played that song, that is wild. I want stories of these crowds, please. Well, that, that, that happened, definitely did happen um, in Wollongong uh, at a place, I think it was a surf club, and... They, they wouldn't let us out the back door. Uh, we had to go on and play it. That was for sure. Of course, it didn't happen at every gig, but it did happen. It seems like a Blues <laughs> Brothers situation. They went like chicken wire and throwing <laughs> bottles and stuff. Yeah, well, they were standing on the, on the tables and stuff, you know. This is when there was a lot more freedom. <laughs> the bouncers weren't going to throw you out. It was a surfy too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's well, these days we just go on Twitter and say, oh, can you believe Radiohead didn't play Creep? And <laughs> that's it. Oh, no. I know, right? Magic. <laughs> in many ways, like, we're able to have more direct contact with artists than we ever have before. But that in that live aspect, you feel like something's changed there? Well, there's not many of them. We were doing, well, I did three, 366 gigs one year. Wow. And you had to do that, Kevin, because that's, there's only six friends five. Well, okay. Um, you know, we were doing doubles. You'd play at War and Peace in Sydney, and you'd finish at uh, 11.30. You'd get in, you go into the King's Cross. You'd start at uh, 1.30 in the morning. You'd walk out five in, a different, in the morning daylight in a different state of uh, mind. <laughs> and, and, you know, and sort of we'd do afternoons at the university or at the... From, from, say, Wednesday on, you were working in, in pubs. And, and it's very sad when, when um, young musicians come up and, and, you know, tell me, and I'm sort of going, well, I could pay a, a mortgage with all that, you know, with so much work. And you get really good because you, you're match fit. That's one thing after the, the pandemic was kind of like, uh, I did a couple of shows, three in a row, and, I, and the last show I'm going, hey, you know, the other kid inside me is going, Kevin, you haven't got much left in the tank. <laughs> and it's because I wasn't matched fit. Mm. You know, when you're playing like I play, it's pretty athletic. And I'm not swinging off the roof or doing somersaults, but just, you know, when you get to my age, it's kind of like, hey, um, you know, all happening. But the scene is was starting to get better, but then we had to, when we got locked up and locked down and locked sideways or whatever, you know, and, and we couldn't have people together. So a, there was this big space, and uh, after doing that space to get up and do what I do <laughs> was quite a shock. But you know, I'm I'm getting better now. I'm um, I'm ready. 
woman back in. What was, it, was, it, was there another question you were going to ask as well? Yeah, oh, well, just based on the, um, the comparison to Hendrix there, one of the new songs, um, Wrapped in Rock with Susie DeMarkey, that starts immediately with the full wah-wah, and it was just very Hendrix reminiscent. Yeah, well, Jimmy sort of, he could make that wah-wah talk. Jimmy was synonymous with the wah, you know, and, and of course I loved Jimmy Hendrix because he was the whole box and dice. He would write beautiful songs you know, come up with great ideas for songs like um, Belly Button Window. He's talking about a fetus inside looking at the belly button window, going, wow, you've got a whole lot of people living in, to- in cages, tall and bold. And, you know, and he's, and he's worried about, you know, what am I going to do when I get out there? Yeah. So, you know, what a great, what a great concept. Uh, it's just a wah-wah. Actually, that song's a real gentle wah-wah. And, and you, you know... And he's talking about, you know, you want me around. You know, it's beautiful. And uh, so he had that, plus he had, um, he had the sensuality in his playing, you know, um, kind of sexy thing, you know, and he delivered like that. And, and um, amazing showman, fantastic guitar player, you know. So that, that whole thing being one unit <laughs> has a big force. And how did you cope with, or how do you cope with kind of, being compared to him or used in the same sentences? Well, you've got to wear it with pride. I mean, I had to bust away from playing it, though, because then, then you know, it was just kind of, what you're going to be a generic jukebox, you know? Hmm. You've, got to, you've got to make your own mark and, and try and find your own, your own songs, you know? So, I mean, I was writing, and um, but you know, I know when, when you're a band coming up and you want to go into doing that, you, you play the trick of playing everyone the songs that want, people want, but in between you start slotting your own if they're the same tempo or type sort of thing. And, and that's how I've done it over, over that many years. And now I just play com- completely all original stuff. And um, I love doing um, you know, a, a tribute concert. I'll go and play some, some Jimmy songs. But, but really, you've got to pick your own ball, which is a song in there. And, and you... Um, you know, that's, that's the thing of being an artist, really, isn't it? It's kind of like the cover band thing. Yeah, what's great? You know, people make money out of doing that and they, and they have fun, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to really put your heart and soul into making uh, a statement, you've got to have your own your own song to boogie with, you know? That's it. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Love that. Thank you. Now, um, actually, while we're talking at 70s virtuosos... We're going to play a little game we hear. Matty O does a great job of here on uh, Triple M Homegrown, and uh, that's taking us down memory lane. Uh, one 70s legend, or even or any time around there, he's still going. What was it like jamming on stage with Santana on the uh, Rock Arena tour back in 77? Yeah, that was a, that was, I was watching uh, Carlos from the side of the stage, um, but the other side of the stage, not what, when he, where he was, and I'm watching away. All of a sudden, this guy's grabbing me by the arm and pulling me. And he goes, man, come on, he wants you out there. He wants you out there. And I'm, oh, okay. So I get dragged by the side, put on stage, and one of Carlos's guitars shoved on my, over my head, put on, he plugs me in. And there I am. The crowd's go berserk because um, he's paid a homage to a local. And I think that was the reason. And um, you couldn't even hear the band. The crowd was going so wild there for a little, for a mile, you know, a minute or so, and um, you know, you know, and then we, then I have because um, there's a drum solo going on, 
and um, then that, when it comes out of that, that's when he points to me and I start doing some playing. And, and it's amazing because I was playing this line and um, it wasn't a normal um, uh, sort of guitar line that happens um, in a pentatonic sort of style. It, 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 was, it was a bit different. And then he jumped on it and did a harmony. And I'm going, wow, wow that was, that's pretty cool. So, nice. um, yeah, and then, then it just lasted for a moment. And then afterwards, um, backstage, as we were there, he gave, some, gave me a big hug and um, said, love it, man, dug it. That's cool. He, he he knew you were up to it. You did. You raised the level, and then he went and he knew the language you yeah. were speaking, and he joined in. That's so good. He, he joined in, and then um, I went and did it again with him at the entertainment centre a few years back. He had Alfonso Johnson on bass, and who should be singing with Buddy Miles, Jimi Hendrix's drummer, and, and when he was in the band of Gypsies. Wow. There I was. The closest thing I ever got to Jimi Hendrix was Buddy, Buddy's big bum right in front of me. When I played at the entertainment center, because um, he's a great singer. Yeah, awesome. All right. So on a uh, on a on a related note, uh, Bon Jovi, an artist that a Triple M audience is uh, greatly familiar with, had a little bit of controversy yeah. recently with uh, Howard Stern. Who's the best guitarist of all time? Quickly, Beck, Jeff, Jeff Beck. Beck, not Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix would be, of course, in the starting lineup. But you, you put me on the spot. I Eddie mean, Van Halen, in, Prince. Prince, Prince, Eddie, but all different, all different. But I was in the room with Jeff Beck when he took a guitar out of a cardboard box with a rented amplifier and no pedals and created that sound. Now, uh, you also supported Jeff Beck. What are your thoughts on Bon Jovi there? Yeah, well, let me see. Everyone's got um, every music touches everybody in a different way. And, and so do the players. Uh, they, you get resonated more to one than the other. I love Jeff Beck, totally, you know. Um, the, the reason I love Jimmy is because of the whole box in the, and with the Dyson, you know, <laughs> because of the songs. Whereas Jeff is playing songs but without the lyric. But, you know, he's an amazing player and he's got, I've got a touch that, that's a, that's a, absolutely amazing, and, and he was fantastic. I'm so sad that he passed away, but he, you know he was actually 78, still doing exactly what um, what he could do. And and um, you, you know, there's um, everyone's different, so you've got different tastes. And, and and to say someone's the best, well, that's your best. You know, that's what you think. Um, and everyone's you know free to um, have their own opinion in this free world. Mm, that's right. It, yeah, back if, to have if, a... it stay, if it stays free. <laughs> yeah, no, so, yeah, Jeff Beck, Santana, you've had amazing experiences. Yeah, you know, and Carlos too. I mean, how can uh, you know, you say one's better than another? It's just what you think, you know. And for me, I don't like putting them, putting them all out, but, but um, and picking one, you know. It's like me when I got um, chosen two years in a row for being the best guitar player. I went, no, you know. I, mean, I, I was supposed to receive an award, um uh, because I had the, a proper show for the second one, you know, the Horton Pavilion was going to be a presentation. And um, and I'd, I'd seen so many great guitar players. So when I was supposed to go up on stage, I, I wasn't there. I was in the car uh, out the back, uh, not even in the building. And I had a guy, a friend who was in there telling me, you know, how proceedings were going, when I was due to go up. And um, so Chaggy had to go up and pick, pick up the water because I wasn't there. And he said, oh, this is Kevin's done 300 
what are these, said 360 things or whatever, that was, that was true. And this is the first one he's missed. And, uh, and that's when I walked, kind of walked in because I had to go and play my songs, Tango Queen, afterwards. So, uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I G'd up a guy at the back door and um, that's what you could do those, <laughs> those days. And uh, walked on a stage and played. So I, I, I had no qualms with being the most popular of that time, um, but to pick it out and say I'm the best, I mean, I thought that was just a bit silly because there's so many great guitar players out there. Yep, that's it. Fair enough. Now, something a bit closer to home, what were the days like of gigging with uh, ACDC? <laughs> it was great. Actually, Angus came once um, to the bon- uh, Bondi Lifesaver, and um, Michael Browning was managing him at the time, and Michael said, Angus wants to get up, you know. And um, so I'm playing away, and I look down, and then they come, they've come side of stage. And Angus looked like it was pretty high. He must have had a few drinks or something. So he gets up and he plays, and we have a lot of fun, and he starts soloing madly, and he's playing, and, he, and then he gets on, he's spinning on, and he lies on the ground and starts playing. But as he's doing that, the lead's winding around him to it and pulls Paul straight out of the straight out of the amp, and he's still going. <laughs> <laughs> he's still spinning. He's like a rat dancer. He's <laughs> like the, like a the Energizer Bunny or something, Duracell Bunny. <laughs> it's something that was else, something else in that drink. I don't know, but uh, it was it was wonderful to have him up there. He was just so great. Yeah, that's awesome. Now uh, the press release for this album does quote you on the word misbehave. Uh, we had um, a listener of the show, Ro- a Robin, a fan of the show, uh, found out we were chatting, and her question was, do you remember it? Uh, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> no, anything, just a general question about nothing specific there, just uh, about general misbehavior. Uh, do you have any stories that you're legally allowed to share? No, I did get locked up. Well, I did get locked up. That's why I'm saying I don't want to be locked up again. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we've had some, you know, what do you call it? Interior decorating. But when you lift floors up, you can't open the window. Can't throw it out. <laughs> That's it. Fair enough. Last couple of questions. Tell us about uh, the legacy albums that released last year, because there was there's a lot of stuff oh, in yeah, there. That's, 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 that's great for you to mention that. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, when you're, when you're down, I like going out to the people who support me because if it wasn't for them, I couldn't do what I'd love to do for this long time. And um, so I go down and, and for the mercy stand, and I, I usually felt myself sweating, got a towel around me, and um, to meet them because I love those people because they've kept me going. So they go, well, which is the best one? And then I go, well, you know, like these car salesmen, they're all good. <laughs> But then I go, well, I should put ones that are my choice tracks together. So that's what the legacy is. And one, one CD is a three-CD set. One CD's got all the rocky stuff, so if you're in that mood, that's the one. Um, CD two is, is a chill album and um, CD. And it's um, got the chill, chill songs. At the end, it gets a bit funky and a, a, bit, a bit more energy at the end of that one. And then the third one is live choices, right? So, you know, songs that I've done live and have been captured. And um, so, and then there's one song I've never recorded, or it's an instrumental actually. It's called Headbang, Headbang and Boogie. And um, yeah, so it's a three C set, which, you know, if you get that, you, um, 
you, you get to know what I really do because that's what the, most sides use, even some reggae tracks on the, on the like, well, reggae as well. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's a great package to, to get if you want to see what I, I do, hear what I do. Yep, beautiful. Sample that. Everyone get around Legacy as well as the brand new one. Uh, one last one is, do you still get the chance to play with your son? Because I know a while ago that must have been really rewarding to uh, have your son play drums. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done it to us in the stand. We might have done a one-off or two, two, but we haven't yet. He's, he's busy with Cog, and he's actually uh, living around um, Byron Bay, and um, he's got an own, his own studio, so he's flat out doing that. But um, one day I'd like to do another thing with him. He's absolutely brilliant, and um, Cog have got their own wonderful sound, as you, could, as you know. And um, you know, I've seen, I've seen him grow up. I mean, he came and lived with me when he was about 11 years old for quite a while. And, um, and and he had a uh, I had a shed out the back, and I had to soundproof it because when he, we put the drums in there, he started going for we, people were throwing bricks on the roof and knocking on the door saying, "Hey, it's too much noise." <laughs> so we soundproofed it out, <laughs> and um, you know he'd come come in with his um, headphones swinging in the breeze, and go straight to the fridge and guzzle a whole lot of water and go back out there. You know he was three years old. I, I heard him. We made a little kit up with him with the help of Johnny Dick and Keith Barber, who are drummers. We had a bass drum, floor tom. We found some bongos with two toms on the on the uh, mountain on the bass drum, some cymbals, and I caught him one day just just going through the cymbal from the edge up to the bell, ping ping ping, and and hearing all the different tones. And I thought, oh, this guy's going to be serious because <laughs> you know, to be that young and to do that. And be entertained by by just that the change of those tones coming out of the shape of the symbol, you know, because it's all different tones from the bell out to the end to the edge. Mm. So that that gave me a clue that he was going to be so dedicated, and, and he was. Is I love that because that is yeah, it's it's next level attention to detail and something to identify yeah, and to be so young. That's right. I've got a six year old boy myself, and I watch for those little clues like that and go, actually, you know what he does. He's really into the music, and you can you can see it. I, I can yeah, feel the yeah. pride that you felt. Isn't it wonderful watching that? Mm. It's, it's great. He needs um, you know, I, he, he was playing with me when he was fourteen, but we got told by by the authorities kind of that he wasn't allowed to play because he's too young. No, of course, the alcohol and all that was there. You know, that's that's the law. So um, yeah, you know, so that that stopped that at the time. But, um, but, you know, he's got his own thing and his own band and, and you can't hang around with that all the time. So, you know, he's got his own thing. But, you know, one day we'll, we'll, we'll do, it, uh, do it again. Yeah, that's awesome. So congratulations on that, on the career, on the new album. Good luck finishing this tour and hope there's more to come the rest of the year. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us on Triple M Homegrown. Uh, so wonderful for you to be talking to you and uh, getting it out to the people there. Wonderful. Thanks very much. Much appreciate.